everybody doing today? How's everybody else doing today? guys are in for a great, great treat. Uh, my name is Paul Schrobauder. My wife and I are launching October 7th, uh, Dreamers Church in Austin, Texas, and it's uh, my honor to introduce our guest today. He's a book author, and uh, we were just talking, his book that he's written is uh, You Get Fit. It's a great book to read, spiritually and naturally, and he's also the pastor of Family Church, and we're going to talk about moving forward better. Everyone say, moving forward better. Moving forward better. Let's welcome Pastor David up. Thank you, Pancho. Hey. What an incredible conference this has been. Our, uh, our church family is is kind of new to ARC, and we wanted to be around some people that were, you know, the phrase life-giving is exactly who ARC is, and just watching how they do life and the way that many of you, uh, maybe in this room, you've been church planters, and uh, you've gone through the process of uh, going through systems and processes and kind of hearing God's voice and then going into communities and seeing those communities transformed. It really is an exceptional group of people, and of course, it's made up of people like you. I was, <clears throat> I was amazed and uh, uh, at how many people this was their first conference, and it's always great to see. And I just noticed that you know the church is in good hands because you know people like yourselves are there, uh, a lot of younger people, and uh, and then some of us that are kind of in the middle there that are trying to catch up to y'all and. Uh, what I want to share today is uh, just some principles that I hope will be encouraging to you. Uh, the real goal is, is that there'll be one or two that land on you that you can you could utilize, okay? And I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, <clears throat> fun thing for pastors to do, talk about themselves, right? And uh, But you need to kind of have some context. Uh, my wife Tracy and I have been married for 31 years. We have two great sons, and uh, they happen to be in the room, not because I asked them to be here to support. They're just here because they're great guys. And one uh, uh, pastors, uh, one of our, we have two campuses, pastors the other campus in Long Beach, and the other son works alongside with all of the uh, creative and uh, communications and just a, a tremendous support with their wives and children. And uh, so having family uh, around me is a big deal. And uh, God has blessed us with that, and the church name happens to be Family Church. And so <clears throat> we actually came in on the scene with a church that is almost 100 years old, had a fantastic leader that uh, led, uh, I led alongside of, I was in the second chair serving a vision and serving um, an individual that I, I still admire, still one of my, my best friends, and uh, Luke Barnett. And so... Uh, he was doing a tremendous work with a church that had been in the city for a long time that began to go into decline. So both churches that we are involved in are revitalization churches. They were both churches that were on the decline and uh, needed, needed some life-giving uh, principles applied and outreach applied and culture changed in order to go to the place where uh, we believe God wanted it to go. And so I share that, uh, all that kind of with an emphasis, I'm not a church planter. And so you're going to have to look through it through your own lens, what I'm going to share. I hope these principles, and I think they do, I, I don't think they, they matter whether you're a church planter, a staff member, a lead pastor, 
or, um, or you're in some kind of revitalization work, or you're dreaming of starting something, which, by the way, I'm so thankful that you all are here because I thought I was going to be talking to myself, and so this would be no fun without you. So that's a little bit of, little bit of uh, context here. And as I kind of talk about the principles that I want to share, uh, anytime that you're standing before a group of people, you know, you think, what, what do you want to share? And I, I immediately kind of thought of Scripture, what the Apostle Paul said. I, I love what he said when he was kind of boiling everything down. And, of course, there's so much that Paul wrote. Here's a guy who's well-educated. He's a guy who wrote half the New Testament, as you know. Uh, profound, uh, powerful apostle over churches. And I mean, people would just sit on the edge of their seat to find out what he has to say. And he narrowed it down in one setting where he said this one thing, just one thing, this one thing I do. I, I love that phrase that he uses, this one thing I do. I forget what lies behind. I press forward to what lies ahead. And so just from that scripture alone is where I've taken the topic of You know, Paul decided, no matter where he was in life, that he was going to move forward better. Uh, No matter what happened to him, whether it was good or whether it was bad, he was just going to incrementally keep pressing on uh, towards the call of God for his life. And as a result, the church grew. As a result, uh, of course, he grew, but he grew the people around him. and, And it just seemed like wherever Paul went, even when people were trying to stymie the growth, Good things happened around him. Bad things happened too, but uh, we learned through this conference, we've got to focus on the good things that are happening around us. And I just kind of look at his life and want to mimic. I, I always felt like if Paul the Apostle was looking for a staff member, I'd never sign up for it because I'd never survive, right? He's just tough as nails. And, uh, but there's some things about focusing on the one thing. And if you do it long enough, you don't have to be a superstar, We're not the fastest growing church in America, never been in the magazine. Uh, People don't even really maybe know who we are, and that's good. That's okay with me. I'm more of a behind-the-scenes kind of guy. I like flying under the radar. But every one of us want to make a difference. And I've just learned that with the gift set I have, I followed a great personality. I followed a guy who pastored the church before me for 36 years, and nobody knew my name. And, And I just was never into that. I mean... You know, the temptation is to rip some holes in my jeans and, uh, you know, and uh, go a little tighter. But then you'll see that I wrote a book on fitness and I'm not fit and that's a hypocritical and all these bad things can happen. But, uh, but I did learn some things along the way. Being in the church now for 18 years, I've learned some things along the way. That you don't have to be a superstar to make a difference. But you do have to be consistent. And you can't quit on the things that work. And, uh, and if you're just adjust your life around principles that work, it'll begin to do a work in your life. And so I want to talk to you about just one principle, and I've already shared it. And the one principle is this, improve a little every day. Just improve a little bit. Everyone can do that. I don't care what size your church is or whether you're, you know, you're a supporting staff or lead guy or gal. We can all improve. In fact, uh, the, the church will grow as the leader grows. Yeah. And if we can just grow as individuals and get better at what we're doing, our assignment, even though you have other dreams and aspirations, I've found that it's the mundane things that move the church forward the best. Yeah. 
I mean, we have a passion, we have a drive, and, and God uses all that. But I, I think the discipline and the character gets developed in the, you know, we've heard the phrase over and over, run the play, run the play. And if you have the systems in place and, the, you know, the, the culture in place and all these things uh, that, that really make a healthy place, you'll see the ball move down the field. And so that's the principle I want to talk to you about. And, uh, and forming around this idea, and I've heard uh, Pastor Chris Hodges say it at Grow Conference, which, by the way, we, we have adopted everything from Grow, from Highlands. And uh, <clears throat> we had a vision for our church that uh, was doing okay, but it wasn't doing as well as what was happening with Grow. Someone introduced me to Grow, and I know this is not a Grow Conference. It is a little bit of a plug because it's part of our story. Once we started applying those principles, we just started to see more growth in our church and in our leadership than doing it the way that we had been doing it. So I'm a, I'm a firm believer in learning from everybody. So what you're going to hear today is actually stolen from other people. I don't even know who it's stolen from. I can't even give them credit. But uh, I can tell you these are the things that have worked, okay? So I'm not up here standing like, hey, let me share some things you've never heard before. Maybe it'll be a good reminder, though, that, hey, we really can make a difference if we just stay after it and be consistent and keep doing it every day. And watch what God may do. So what are some things that we can improve every day? John Wooden said this. He said, when you improve a little each day, eventually big things occur. When you improve conditioning a little each day, of course, he was the coach of, of, uh, of UCLA Bruins basketball team for many years, winning many championships. He said, eventually, you have a big improvement in conditioning. Not tomorrow, not the next day. But eventually a big gain is made. Don't look for the big, quick improvement. Seek the small improvement one day at a time. That's the only way it happens. And when it happens, I love this line, it lasts. Isn't that what we all want? I mean, sometimes you see the big flash in the pan, and then something happens, and it's gone. And what you want is something that is going to last beyond you. Isn't that what we all It's kingdom work. It's something that goes beyond uh, so I pray for the day, and I know the day will be here before I know it, where I'll be handing the baton, and, and they'll be building upon what God has done in the past. But, but the principle is, uh, you know, and we've heard it from Hillsong leader Brian Houston, you know, don't be loyal to the past, be loyal to the future. And, and just keep pressing on towards the future. So I'm going to give you some things uh, that we look at, and I've just kind of learned over the years of, What's important, and they seem mundane, but they're really important. Some of you have this stuff down. Hey, check it off your list. Say, we're doing pretty well. Um, But uh, there may be some other things you say, hey, we need to work on that. Uh, Here's one of the things we try to work on every single day, just a little bit every day. We work constantly. We are constantly working on our environments. Where we're meeting, the meeting places, I call it, and it's kind of crude, okay? I don't know if you can use it or not, but... uh, I don't even say this to my church. I say it to our team. It's kind of an insider kind of language. And I say, make sure that we cover our S's. <laughs> and, uh, and what I'm saying is, uh, I don't want to be embarrassed by stuff. But here's what I mean. And the S's are sight, sound, smell, and spirit. Sight, sound, smell, and spirit. So wherever you go when in our meeting times, and this goes for uh, where the kids are meeting, it goes for where students may be meeting or uh, you know, whatever, if you have a dream team where they're meeting or the, or the auditorium or whatever, I, w- I want the environment both outside the building and inside the building to be on point. Yeah. Now, our, if you came to our facility, you would see it's an old building that is falling apart in places, and we are just taking it incrementally and 
changing uh, the way that feels. But this is what I learned. I learned some things about environment because we don't have a lot of money. So how do you make changes? The things I'm going to suggest to you are things that don't cost money. And I'll tell you why I'm telling you that, because we don't have money. (laughs) So we've had to learn how to make improvements while God is improving the church so that there's some resources to actually do some of the big changes we all want. I mean, I want to change things, but man, I've got a leaky roof that in the middle of service, this was years ago, it would rain occasionally here in California, and then it would drip on the people, you know? It's just like, I just, I just felt terrible. And, and I just stopped praying, you know, for, for uh, money to fix the roof. I just say, God, you got a leak in your roof. And, uh, and God sent a roofer to fix it for free. You know what I'm saying? So, so stop looking at, like, you know the answer and how God needs to answer it. And let God be the creative God that he is. And let's just do our part with what he's assigned us with and not complain about what we don't have, but give God thanks and praise for what he has given us and improve it every day. Well, we can do that with environments for sure. Uh, that starts with cleaning out all the rooms. I mean, we, we inherited rooms full of stuff that, I don't know, women's ministry just wanted to take over the whole church, and uh, they had bouquets of flowers in every room, and uh, we just started throwing away. How many of you know that if you're in a church that has been there for 100 years, you're offending some people when you start cleaning the house? But, but even Jesus cleaned house, so we were cool, and, uh, and they cleaned my clock. And so anyway, we made it through, but we started cleaning things. And so let's talk about site. What are we talking about? I'd walk around the campus literally with my phone or with my iPad, and I'd take pictures of places around the campus, and I'd study it. Because the longer you've been in a place, the less you see what is wrong. Uh, Sometimes you need some, you know, they call them secret shoppers to come through. I don't invite them over because I already know what needs to be fixed. And until I fix those things, I don't want them to tell me what's wrong. I already know. I just, I'm trying to, you know, there's so many things. How do you know what to focus on? But take pictures of things, study it, look at it. What if you just improve one little area at a time? And I'm telling you, friends, I've had people leave the church over the years, and uh, I've seen them come back, you know, a decade later. I've been there long enough. And they'll say, wow, look at all the improvements. I don't feel that way. I I feel like we just scratched the surface. I'm embarrassed about areas. In fact, if I have friends come over, I'm like, you know, they say they need to use the restroom. I'm like, oh, no, no, don't use the restroom. (laughs) I want to show you this new part that we did, yeah. And uh, it's just, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to get discouraged in the fact you don't have it all together? Are you just going to make those incremental improvements? Because what happens is uh, it's contagious. And and one one little project turns into the next. You get motivated. It's kind of like the Dave Ramsey snowball effect, right? Take little things and let it snowball on the team. And if you get the team making improvements in little areas, guess what? You've got yourself a pretty good bag full of improvements around you that people start to take notice. And uh, people begin to take pride in the places that we gather. I realize some of us you know, we, you say, you know, Dave, you complain about your old building. We don't even have a building. I get it. Sometimes I'm jealous of you. Sometimes you're jealous of me, perhaps. But the truth of the matter is we all have spaces. And we can create spaces and give, give a space uh, the excellence that it deserves in order to be meeting places. Like for kids, <clears throat> the, the, the room, the paint on the room, the, the carpet. You may not be able to buy new carpet, but you can throw some throw rugs down or you can get it cleaned and uh and that's what we look at what can we do 
If there's some of the carpet that is ripping up, man, it wouldn't be unusual in those days to find tape on that carpet. But I wanted black tape. And don't use too much of it because we don't have enough money to buy more. All right, you, you try. It was always a challenge. So sight, clean, orderly, creative, excellent, inspiring, fun, uh, attractive, purposeful. If, if something does not have a place, it doesn't have a purpose. And so get rid of it. I know it's painful, but if it has value, give it to somebody else. But don't have stuff cluttering a room. And so those are things. By the way, I'm not telling. I'm not. I like what um, Larry Osborne said. He, you know, he says, hey, this is description, not prescription. All right. I'm just telling you what we do. And if you want to apply it to your own thing, great. And if you don't, no problem. Some of you right now are saying, I came to the wrong lab or app session. And uh and if you leave now, you'll look bad, so you're stuck. All right, so. But sight, sound. What about sound? <clears throat> From the outside to the inside. You know what I was noticing as I was walking around the different environments? I was noticing that I get there super early, and most leaders do, right? You get there typically before anybody else, and you're preparing your mind and your heart for the teams that you're going to lead. And I just noticed how dead it was. And then I, I waited, trusting that that the deadness was going to come to life at a certain time, but I'd never communicated it to the team. I just expected it. I just thought, you know, why is that room dead? Why the kids' doors are open, and these are years ago, but there's no sound coming out of it. Well, I started communicating what I was thinking, and I started putting timelines. One hour before service begins, if possible, I want the environment set as though there's a drove of people coming through. And you say, well, we only have a few people. Treat it as though the room is full. Good. Always be prepared as though the room is full. And if you are, and you, you know what it's like when you have a guest come over to your house. When friends and family are hanging out, you don't care what's laying out. You know, they have to push it aside. You don't even run, run the Swiffer over to the floor, right? I mean, you just like, come on in and grab the Swiffer, do it yourself if you like. But when a guest comes, everything begins to be cleaned up. And that's the way we ought to treat every single weekend that we gather and every single meeting that we do as though a guest is coming through and their decision on whether or not they're going to receive Christ or be a part of this family is determined by our excellence level. So sound from the outside in. I even like, you know, I've spent a lot of money to do this, but some sound, we, we used to use iPods in different places and try to synchronize them, you know, click, 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 and then place them in different places of the building so that as people walk through, uh, they would hear some music going on and kind of set the tone a little bit for the day. Smell. <laughs> my, my office is right by the nursery. And uh, this is what started this whole thing. And as you can imagine, the more kids you have coming through, the greater the intensity of God's blessing. And, and, uh, and I just started to notice, man, we had bleach smell here. We had this floral smell over here from somebody spraying. And, uh, and then we had the dusty, musty smell of old carpet over here. I said, man, we got to get consistent with the smells around this place. So we chose, uh, I think it was Hawaiian Breeze at the time. I said, I want this everywhere. I, I don't want to walk from one place to another and be slapped in the face with a new smell that, you know, brings my attention to something that it shouldn't be. I noticed it when I walked in the auditorium here and I sat down that there's a, a vanilla smell somehow in the auditorium. I don't know if it's so or if I'm just freaking out there, but I think everything is intentional. You can feel it in these spaces, can't you? 
how excellent everything. You say, well, if I had the money, I'd be able to do it. No, I think we can do stuff even with the little bit that we have if we can cast the vision to the people around us. Because the resource around us are the people in our church. They're the value. They're the gold. And by the way, there's talent there. Tommy Barnett, you say all the time, the miracle's in the house. And uh, I'm telling you, there are miracles wherever you look in the city and the church that you pastor. So uh, set the tone. You know, so bleach is bad, right? And so you want to get some fragrances that are, are, are pretty good. So vanilla or whatever. I'm giving you a couple of ideas. You may like something totally different. Uh, finally, the spirit. That's the people. You can have all that stuff in order and yet have people with bad attitudes and it ruins everything. Uh, a stinking attitude, right? They talked about it today a little bit. And it starts with us as leaders. That, man, we, we got to come in and we got to be full of faith and, and full of joy and uh, set the tone uh, for the people that we're going to be receiving. And so <laughs> I, had a cranky, I, had a, I had a cranky lady at the front door greeting people in the early days. And uh, I got a report from somebody that a single mom was coming through the door. She had one kid on her side and she was pushing a stroller. She was coming in about 30 minutes late. 30 minutes late, and the lady at the door said, Honey, you need to get up earlier to be here on time. That was our culture. And I thought to myself, I'm going to kill this woman. I mean, new people are coming in, and we're driving them right back out the door. Well, we we don't have that sort of thing today, and I'll talk to you a little bit more about culture. But, you know, the new front door to the church now is not the church. It's the website, right? I know nothing about this kind of stuff about technology. I know what I like. I know what I want to see. And so getting some people on the team or people that may not even be in your church to look at that front door of the website, it sets to uh, simple is better than complex with a bunch of, you know, inconsistencies. And so just something simple that's an introduction. So I, I, I just, the entrances of the church are a big deal. When the people first step on the campus, you know, if there's a bunch of, dust all over the the mat at the front door then you know chances are you know we're not setting the right tone and so those are the areas that we need to look at to make sure and if people don't notice it that's a good thing that's the idea but you all notice it right if you walk up to a campus or a building or a business where there's weeds growing around the church and you start saying man these people don't really care about uh, excellence and about taking care of things. And uh, of course, restrooms are a big deal, right? And I mentioned that. Our restrooms have not been renovated, and, uh, but yet they need to be clean. I, I feel so, so passionate about that, that there are times where I went in, many times going in myself, and we had people that we hired to do it. And uh, it just wasn't getting done the way that it should be done. And sometimes you have to model this stuff. And by the way, I think this is a good point for our teams. Not everybody can see what you see. Do you notice that? Uh, When you say excellence, you say a room shouldn't be cluttered. Some people are just not wired for that. So you don't get mad at them. They'll say, I told you over and over. I've noticed that you have to model it. And sometimes you need a team of people to come into an environment after you've talked to the leader, said, hey, can we help each other set the tone? And now it's your responsibility to keep the tone. You, you tracking with me? You, you don't have, you know, you can't, you don't have permission to let it go down to a lower level. Yeah. Uh, we've, got, we've got to hold the standard. If you've got to get somebody else to help, then get somebody else to help. So uh, that's kind of the environment's portion. 
Um, uh, let me give you another constant that we're working on. We're constantly working on our welcome. Uh, you know, we use a phrase from street to seat. Uh, we want our welcome to be there. And, of course, the website, again, is the, is the front door to everything. But um, people at the entrances, people welcoming people at every portion of our environments, whether it's kids or whether it's, you know, going into the auditorium. But even when people are parking, you know, we're from Southern California. We're right here. And different parts of the country have different reactions to how you welcome people. Some people really like the cheer thing, you know, welcome, you know, and it's cool. I like it, but I don't personally. I I like I'll go through a side entrance before I go through the tunnel of blessing. That's me. I'm not I'm not slamming it. I'm just simply saying so for us, you got to find out your culture, how you want that welcome to feel. For us, it's much more subtle. And I want it to be a reflection of our leadership, of kind of who we are. Uh, because let's face it, if you're, ah, and the pastor's like, hey, welcome, everybody. Glad to have you. You know, it's kind of a disconnect. Try to make it fit the personality of what's happening on the platform. It'll help a whole lot. And so putting the right people in places, I think, helps a lot. This culture of welcome, our security's incognito. And you say, well, we don't have security. Well, someday you will need it. And uh, and I don't have police. Some people do have uh, police officers out and about and that sort of thing. Ours is more incognito and people that are kind of watching. But the hospitality, the co- coffee, the water, the mints, which, by the way, coffee doesn't cost much, right? And just putting out a free cup of coffee really makes a difference in environment. And that's a culture of welcome because what you're doing basically is saying that I know you feel uncomfortable, but if you have a cup of coffee in your hand, don't you feel a little better? Uh, I do in new places. It's like, I don't know anybody, but I can do this, you know. And, uh, and we're just trying to help people feel a little more comfortable uh, while they're with us. And so we constantly work on our welcome. Something I learned from our team learned from um, Sean Nepstad. Uh, when you meet somebody that you're not sure if they're new to the church or not, uh, they ask four questions. I love this a whole lot. These are the four questions. If you've never heard this, this is, this is worth the lab itself. Uh, how long have you been coming? How did you hear about us? Where did you go before this? And have you been through Grow Track? Because we do grow. Grow Track is a big part of what we do. Because what we're trying to do is get them to that next step. Yeah. Yeah, sure. How long have you been coming? How did you hear about us? Where did you go before this? And have you been through our growth track? And so here's a creative tool that actually was uh, my son Matt's idea. He was at Disneyland, and, um, and he heard the song Be Our Guest. And as they're going around, it's kind of an emotional experience for him, not just because he has kids and he had to pay for it, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it, was, it was kind of like he heard... Through the song, he heard the church vision. And, and the song, Be Our Guest, and this is just a little tool. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. But this is something you can do with your teams. Just play the song, Be Our Guest. And if you don't know what that song is, you have not had children yet or been to Disney. You know, I'm not going to sing it because it would be terrible. But he, this is our church story right here. I'll read you some of the lyrics. All those good old days when we were useful. Suddenly those good old days are gone. Ten years we've been rusting, needing so much more than dusting, needing exercise, a chance to use our skills. Most days we just lay around the castle, flabby, fat, and lazy. You walked in and oops-a-daisy, it changed everything. 
And so then I, I talk about Luke chapter 14 where there's a man sitting at a table. And, and what a blessing it is to be at the banquet of the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, a man prepared a great feast and sent out the invitation. And, and, and of course, you know the story. Uh, people made all kinds of excuses. And what did Jesus say? He said, and the man just said, go into the highways and by, byways. Roll in a drunk if you have to. Get him into the house because I want my house full. And you start catching and capturing the heart of God about this culture of welcome that when one guest comes through the door, it gives the whole church the opportunity to shake the rust off and to get that kind of flabby attitude off without, you know, exercising your gifts and get after what you were created to do. And so we just pull the team together and say, hey, let's look at the lyrics of this song. And the first one is, it is with deepest pride and greatest pleasure that we welcome you today. Wow. Culture. Culture. Uh, It's not about me. It's not about the team. It's not about how good the words. I mean, we want everybody to feel welcomed when they walk in. And you've heard it said, culture trumps vision every time. Right? Because you have the best tasting steak in town. If they slap that on a dirty plate, you're not going to eat the steak. And that's what culture is. It's the plate that carries the food, the message of what you're trying to bring. And sometimes the culture, in our case, it was bad in both locations. And we had to clean the plate. And, uh, and it takes years, gang. Sometimes it just takes, I mean, there's some leaders that can come in and just rock everyone's world. And everyone's like, hey, oh, oh, yeah, we're on and we're making a difference. <laughs> it didn't work that way for us. I had people in my face saying, you're an idiot. You know, they didn't quite say it that way, but their expressions, you know, it's kind of like, you've seen them. All right. They probably go to your church. They left my church, went to your church. No. So what is culture? What is culture? It's our behavior. And our conversation, really that's culture. It's what we do or allow people to do. And it's what we say and how we communicate. It's who we are. You can't change the culture until you, really, uh, until people change, right? The leaders have to change to adapt to be the culture. Uh, We can't tell people what to do if we're not doing it and living it ourselves. That's, that's culture. So we need to remember as a church that we're in the people business. That's what we're in. Uh, people around us, you know, um, I, I think about this. I went to Chipotle one time, and I love Chipotle. I have one right across the street from my house, and it was like, thank you, Jesus. You know, I just go to Chipotle all the time. And this one particular season for this particular Chipotle I know the drill. You all know the drill, right? If you, how many of you been to Chipotle? All right. You know the drill. Uh, you're going to name your meat. You're going to name the beans. You're going to name, right, the rice. And uh, I already know it. So I say, I want a burrito with brown rice, pinto beans, and chicken. They didn't hear a word I said. So they know what the drill was. Uh, you want brown rice, white rice. Brown rice, pinto beans, chicken. You, you want pinto beans or black beans? They're not even connecting. They have the process. They know the process, but there's no connection. And it dawned on me, sometimes we work on our processes so much that we're so focused on the process, the process, the process, and we need it. But I, I, I tell Chipotle at this particular location, you have no process if you have no people. The process is not valuable. If you're not connecting with people, 
And so I need people with a high relational IQ looking around kind of the head on the swivel deal and kind of reading the room and knowing the needs around them. And so when you're serving, this is a great tool to talk to your teams about. Uh, Dinner here is never second best. Another line in the song, excellence. Keep getting better. Hey, we've got the best singers in our church that sing, but I want them to keep getting better, right? I, I need to keep getting better as a communicator. <laughs> I say, people say, how long do you speak? I, and pastors are notorious for oh, about 30 minutes. But when you look at the video, it's 40, 45, 50, right? And we're notorious for that. Well, what if we just worked on it just a little bit and just narrowed it down? Because how many of you know people are only capturing a portion of what we're saying, right? So we can work on these things. Excellence. You know, the scripture says, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Do it for the Lord. Do it for the Lord. Number three, here's another phrase in it. We'll prepare and serve with flair. Preparation, right? Make your ministry, I tell our teams, make your ministry a priority. Be early. Oh, there's culture. Be early. I I don't need to be there early. No one shows up until, because you're setting the tone. I want you there early. I want the music up. I I don't want to walk in and be waiting three hours for the lights to be turned on. You've got to help me, help build my faith as well as I'm walking around and saying, hey, you're ready. This is awesome. Fake it if you have to, man. I know it's early, but let's go for it. You know, let's get going. And I say this, every team needs a huddle before you serve. Every team needs a huddle. And, uh, you know, to get the play, to make sure we're on the same page, to understand the priority of the day. That just means take a couple minutes to meet with your team and uh, set the tone, right? It's a guest. It's a guest. Sakes alive. We'll all be blessed. Wine's been poured, it says. Uh, It's communion Sunday, apparently. And And thank the Lord, I've had napkins freshly pressed. They are prepared. Number four, here's another line. No one's gloomy or complaining. Isn't that an attitude we all need for a culture? Yeah, I wish they wouldn't. No, 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 man. We can't let our teams have conversations. No, no, no. There is no complaining. There is no one gloomy. Yeah, you can be going through our, we're about ready to serve somebody. And so I'm talking about the weekend. I'm talking about when we're serving people. We get to serve. What an attitude that Pastor Matthew Barnett has brought out, you know, through the Dream Center, that whole message of we get to serve. It's not we have to serve. This isn't begrudgingly serving God. Uh, We get to do this. Uh, This is a ministry opportunity, not an obligation. It's not just a task. We're doing this under the Lord. And so 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Here's another verse, Romans 12, 11. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Here's another line from the song. If you're stressed, it's fine. Dining, we suggest, be our guest. Get your worries off your chest. That'll preach right there. You know what I'm talking Be a life-giving church. You hear that phrase. Be a life-giving church. People are already stressed out. You know, so when, when we're communicating to people, yeah, they, you know, they're transforming. They're not where you want them to be, nor are, nor are we. So why don't we find the good things in people and keep encouraging them and put some confidence in them, believe in people, or be life-giving. Here's the final one. I'll give you this one. Uh, Final one, and we'll move on. Life is so unnerving for a servant who's not serving. He's not whole without a soul to wait upon. And that's your serve team. Boy, you're not even whole until you're serving somebody. I'll tell you who did a great series on serving is Ed Young Jr. on the table. Have you all heard that? If you haven't, that's worth 
That's worth checking out. Just talks about how a healthy church is made of thirds. And, and, and there's three different groups of people sitting at the table, the, new, the unbeliever, the new believer, and the mature. And you know who the mature are, the people who push back away from the table and serve somebody. And so we teach our people that. It's culture. It, you, it's not how many worship songs you can handle or how deep you are in the word of God or how much money you give, or how long you've been coming to church. The real, the real maturity in the church are, are the people who step away from the table and say, this isn't about me anymore. It's about others. I'm going to serve somebody. I'm telling you, it'll change the culture around you. So uh, that's, I'm going to talk about culture a little bit more here, but we're constantly working on our culture. Uh, language and behavior creates the culture. Um, we need to be consistent. Um, something that we waited too long to do is begin to develop our core values because that kind of sets culture is who you are, but the core values, core values keep you on track and it defines it. You know, sometimes it's so hard as a leader because you're saying that's not how we do things. That's not, but, but people are a little slow on the uptake, you know, and, uh, we know that because we are too. We think we've said it a thousand times, but after the thousandth time, they're just now getting it, right? And I always say this about communication. You know, if you think you communicated, you didn't. Right. Right. And if you know you communicated, you better communicate again because there's some people that didn't get it. And uh, you just got to keep working on it. But culture. So I'll tell you kind of in a nutshell what our church is all about. And you're going to hear stuff that you've heard. And you're going to see that we pulled things. But what we've pulled from other places is not that we're trying to become like them. This is who we are. This is how we live. So here, I'll give you some things. Uh, this family church. Family church exists to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and one another. It's that simple. I want people to grow in God and grow with each other. It's pretty simple. Uh, I stole part of that from Andy Stanley. The other part I stole from the Bible. Okay. Uh, so we talk about our purposes. This is all grow. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. How do we do that? Weekend services, grow tracks, small groups, and the serve team. Dream team, some people call it. And, uh, and so I just wanted to get to this point of core values. It's what keeps the culture in line. And this is a constant, everyday drip. It has to be. Yeah. You hear it in someone's conversation that you're close with, and you just don't let people off the hook. If you start letting people off the hook, including yourself, the culture's going to drift. And so you've got to constantly be, hey, what, who is that? And we're all like that, by the way. We all drift because we all want to be comfortable. And, uh, and so I'll give you some of the core values of, I'll give you all of them, of family church. Jesus is our message. By the way, I stole this from Rich Wilkerson Jr. Amen, Rich. All right. Uh, and, uh, but it's who we are. It's the cross. It's the cross. It's the cross. It's one thing I, I do. And Paul talked about it. He said, I preach the cross. That's what, you know, I don't claim to know anything except, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I preach the cross. And uh, amazing grace, indescribable love, uh, you know, undeniable power. People are our heart. People matter. Right? This is a Bible statement. Uh, if people matter to God, they ought to matter to us. It's the people business. God is all about people. We've got to love people. People are our heart. Compassion matters. Connections happen. Commun- matter. Community matters. Here, here's another core value. Serving is our privilege. I said it before, but we get to serve. If you're too big to serve, you're too proud. I mean, we've got to learn to Jesus, you know, no one else was serving. They were all jockeying for position of who was the greatest. What did Jesus do in the background? He grabbed a towel. He grabbed a towel, and, and, and he put it around, and he began to wash feet. Jesus set the tone for what's really important. 
for his leaders to do. Serve people, all right? Serving is our privilege. Faith is our confidence. We act with courage. We dream big. We move forward better, on and on. Excellence is our standard. You say, you know, sometimes we get caught when we're tired. It's good enough. But could you do better? If you could do better, do it. Because, you know, it's like no one will see that side of the house. We don't need to paint it. Well, yeah, you're doing this unto the Lord. And, and yeah, I think you ought to paint it. Now, if you only have enough paint to do the three sides, do the three sides. But I'm telling you, if you have enough and you're just tired, grind it out and paint the other side. I just made that up, by the way. So whatever that's worth. If somebody has a building that's only painted on three sides, it's not personal. I'm just showing. All right. Positivity is our attitude. Man, my goodness, I, you know, that is a big one for us. I mean, if you can't find joy in, in what is happening around you, I mean, there's something wrong inside. And uh, if you can't see the fun, you know, the funny in the people that God is bringing to your church, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you can't see that, man, we got an Elvis in our church. I mean, and he gets up in almost every service and he sits right up front. I so want to say, I'm just waiting for the day to say, Elvis has left the building. You know, I haven't said it yet, but I, I think it every time, you know, and uh, have some fun, have some fun, joy, joy. You know, people are, are too, you know, we get too, we take ourselves too seriously and think we're the ones that are changing the world. No, isn't God just taking a simple tool and uh, doing something remarkable with it? We just get to be a part of it. So uh, welcoming is our spirit. Generosity is our lifestyle. Uh, We're working on that really hard. Authenticity is our character. Uh, Be who you are. Don't try to be somebody else. I joked about the, you know, the gene things and all that because I just realized I'm a dork. I get it. And I just embrace it. And I just, I just roll with it. I just, you know, I, I, I pastor a church full of Hispanic people. I mean, my whole church is, is Latino. And, uh, and you've got a white guy up here. You know, I can't even speak Spanish. And, uh, you know, I just embrace who I am. And you know what? I love these people. They're the greatest people in all the world. And they really embrace me and love me. And it's because I'm not trying to be something that I'm not. I'm just, I'm just being Dave. And, uh, and the, I think one of the greatest things that people can say about your life is, you know, they are behind the scenes exactly what they are on that platform. Be real. Be authentic, man. Um, growing is our pursuit. That's the last one. Grow in everything, in your relationship with God and each other, in your leadership. Grow in every area. And when you, if, you, if you maintain, you will not multiply. But if you grow, God has put it in the law of, you know, multiplication. You are going to multiply. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, let me give you a few more, and then we'll, we'll, talk, we'll give question, Q&A here. Uh, we're constantly working on our communication. I share a little bit about that. I'll give you a couple tools in this area. Um, I, I, I listen to and read a little bit about different businesses that do really well in these areas of creativity, Pixar being one. I mean, you can just catch little nuggets from what they do, and some of these points you'll hear uh, come from them. But uh, uh, have a clear communication strategy. Something that Pixar says, you know, the the, the vision should be, have a communication process that is different than kind of revealing the vision to the corporation, if you will. So when the creativity is happening, there's a different kind of uh, communication that happens. And this is what I want to talk about for just a few moments. Collaboration is important on any team. If you don't have collaboration from your main team members around you, you're going to build ministries and silos 
And you're going to have these ministries competing with one another and vision alignment will not happen. And so the greatest challenge, I think, for me as a lead pastor is having the team have an environment and a culture that is established for them for it to be okay for there to be tension in the room and disagreement because people are passionate about a certain way that they want to do things. And ultimately, that leader trumps everybody else unless it's going against the core values. Uh, But they need to be able to take the punch from other people in the room to say, I don't get it. What do you mean you don't get it? I worked on it for 12 hours. It's just not clear. And, uh, and so get better. Keep going back to the table. How do these great movies come out from Pixar? Because they keep going back to And by the way, when collaboration happens and you open it up to other people creatively, you will, you will be amazed at where the good ideas come from. Yeah. They don't normally come right around that lead team table. <laughs> They're sitting right here. That's why I'm saying that. No, no, no they, come, they come from places you didn't expect so often. That's what I'm saying. When you take it out and say, hey, shoot holes in this. I'm going to share this with you. Let me give you some phrases that have helped us. And I've asked, uh, by the way, here's a Pixar statement. Trust doesn't mean that you trust that someone won't screw up when you give them an assignment. It means you trust them even when they do screw up. Giving them trust to let them kind of grow. Here's Pixar. Uh, They say, our communication structure should not mirror its organizational structure. Everybody should be able to talk to anybody. So collaboration. They go on to say, give a good idea to a mediocre team and they'll screw it up. Give a mediocre idea to a great team and they will either fix it or come up with something better. If you get the team right, chances are they'll get the ideas right. This is good stuff. I didn't write it. That's what I'm saying. Don't wait for things to be perfect before you share them with others. Show early and often. It'll be pretty when we get there, but it won't be pretty along the way. And that's as it should be. That's Pixar saying that. That's something I've been saying. I didn't know how to say it. So I'd say, I I don't like surprises, gang. I don't like surprise. Don't surprise me. Don't say, ta-da, look what I worked on. And it's off the mark. You know what I'm saying? Because what's going to happen is you're going to be ticked off at me for saying, hey, listen, I want to tweak that a little. You're going to tweak my brainchild? (laughs) Listen, you waited too long to bring it out to the team. And it's off just a hair. But if you bring it up early, it'll be better. And so that creates culture on the team where people aren't saying, hey, this is my thing. Let me show you how great I am. Now, we already know that you're, th- it's going to be great because it's gonna be, there's going to be value added from everyone on the team. And if people just sit around the table and they never say anything, why are you sitting around the table? You've you got to speak up. You've got to say, don't walk away from the table and say, that was a dumb idea. No, no, your opportunity is while we're around the table. And that, by the way, we don't say, that's a dumb idea. In front of their face. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I'm, I'm, I'm totally teasing. <laughs> There's no bad idea until just now. <laughs> yeah, that was a bad idea. Um, but you've got to kind of get some thick skin. And when we first started doing this, uh, there was some kind of, you know, thin skin bleeding going on, you know, kind of wounded and like, man, that's harsh. But now it's kind of the culture and I like it. I like the tension. I don't like it just being for the sake of doing it. I think you got to speak your mind and you start to get a feel for who you are and you start fighting for that kind of culture. So um, here, here's a statement we use and this helped us. What are you working on? What are you working on? Now, some people say, well, you don't think I'm working hard? No, no, there needs to be a culture developed over a period of time where you can, you, 
I wouldn't say start with that, but I'm saying lead towards that and let them know early. Hey, don't you think asking some of these questions about where we are is a good idea to kind of know where we are so that we're not expecting something from someone else that is working on something that is really a big deal to take the organization. I'm going to use organization forward. Uh, You know, I don't want to stop them from what they're doing. Because my, my pet turtle is important. You know what I'm saying? So I want people to know, what are you working on and what's next? What are you working on and what's next? That way, I know if I'm asking you for something, I already know that you have an agenda. And I want to I be sensitive to what your assignments are and not just come in and hijack your day. Yeah. And I, I think that just builds teamwork, right? You're showing, you're showing some appreciation and accountability for each other. Um, here's a, a phrase recently encouraged. Um, and this is big for us. Uh, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? This is what I'm thinking. What do you think? Because before you even start to do the work, if you get a whole team around you and say, man, that's brilliant. Work on that. Bring some more stuff to the table. Uh, now, now everybody's excited about it. Uh, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? Rather than coming to say, hey, uh, you know what? I, I had 12 meetings already with uh, 54 people in the church, and we think this is a good idea. Uh, that's a lose-lose, because if you don't think it's a good idea, then you have 54 people mad at you, right? Uh, I want to know early. In the early days of the church, the culture was, surprise, I'm amazing. You know, and they wanted a party. I'm sitting back going, really? I, you, you, you spent all that leadership energy on this, and people are applauding you, and, and, and we've got all this mess over here that we're trying to clean up. Man, can you give me your energy right here? Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. I'm talking to staff and lead people yeah. here because uh, sometimes we're so frustrated we can't figure it out. I'm saying these questions can kind of help, and, and, and it's, just a, it's just an agreement around the table. And by the way, when we have team meetings, early days especially, there was a lot of pounding on the table of, of passion of saying, hey, no, listen, and finally it comes down to the lead, lead guy or gal that says, hey, this is where we're going to go. And, uh, and so, you know, buckle your seatbelts, everybody. Let's, let's do the best we can. Now that we've already had all this, let's assign all of our energy towards making this better. All right? That's fair, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm not talking about dictatorship. I'm just saying sometimes you just got to get things going. Here's another tool that we've used. Uh, I stole this from Chris Songson. He did a lab, our app session yesterday. Um, Church Boom, good, great leader, uh, called the three by three. Uh, what three things are you working on for the next three months? Three by three. That way you know where everybody's at and you know what value is going to be added to the organization at the end of the three months. They may not even hit their, their, their mark, but the whole idea is now to help each other reach those goals. Because if we help each other reach those goals, the whole church is better, right? So if kids ministry say, hey, uh, over the next three months, I'm going to paint this room. I'm going to clean this clutter up. I'm going to get this curriculum established. I'm going to establish four more people on the leadership team. I'm going to get two more people to grow. You know what I'm saying? Are you tracking with? These are my three by three. And and I just ask them for three things, three, three big things that you're going to work on over the next three months. Now, of course, we have our everyday stuff that we have to do, the emails, the planning and everything that we. But what three things are you working on to help the organization move forward? I'm using, are you okay? Move the church forward. Um, I just generically say that because it fits so many different scenarios. All right. Uh, I'm getting to the end here, gang. Uh, I have 10 minutes and um, let me finish this up real quick. We're constantly watching the gauges. Stole this from Hillsong. Uh, (laughs) You can write a book by stealing people's stuff. All right, name one now. (laughs) 
<laughs> research, yeah. I like what uh, Rick Warren says all the time. He says, uh, when you quote somebody, always you know, give their name the first time you say it, the second time you say so. They've always said. Someone's, they've always said. And the third time you say, I've always said. <laughs> you, know, you just have to give it time. All right. So the gauges we watch and uh, things that we talk about, this is only for discussion. Not to say, hey, you're way below the bar and your job security is on the line. That's not what this is for. This is about discussion. Weekend attendance, they set the target at 7%. We adopted that. We are not hitting that currently. And uh, that bothers me. And so it helps us to look at things and have a gauge in front of us. Um, First-time decisions for Christ. Uh, these are targets I've got from other places that we've adopted. 5 to 7% of adult attendance needs to be first-time guests. If you follow the Ed Young Jr. statement, it's 33% of people that don't know God coming in, the percentage is much, much higher. But 3 to three to 7% need to be first-time guests. And the first three months are really important for these first-time guests coming through. They're the most critical. So we need to make sure that there are connections happening uh, to the best of our ability. Growth track, this may have come from Nepstad, I'm not sure. Uh, but 2 to 4% of adult attendance is a good growth track percentage. So whatever your adult attendance is, 2 to 4% in growth track, if you assimilation process, need to be in that place. Small groups, I've always wondered about this, but taking the weekend attendance, taking 10% of the total to determine how many groups you should have active. If you have 100 adults, you should have 10 active groups. It's just a gauge. Uh, tells us in our church we've got a lot of work to do. But we have amazing leaders that are there and people that are volunteering and serving on the serve team that are helping bring those numbers up. But that's where we're going to put our focus on making things better every day. Keep tweaking. Keep going. Uh, giving $20 a per, per person, uh, you know, kind of an average gauge, uh, that's good for us. It works for us. And the serving ratio. How many people should be serving in the church? Um, I love this ratio. Seven to one is a healthy ratio. Uh, that means one volunteer, one serve team person for every seven people attending church. It gives you. You could take that in any environment, though. You could take that in kids, too. Right. And start looking at it. Sometimes even with kids, the ratio is higher. Right. Because and I'm not in education, so I'd look more to the kids ministry to begin to really drill down on that. How many uh, serve team people do you need in order to do a particular group because it takes more right if you're doing small groups for kids or whatever it takes more like you need at least two in a room or whatever so that may change it a little bit but let's just take adults seven to one all right uh, but you really need to look at each ministry but at least seven to one because they say anything over nine to one is kind of like that Jethro and Moses principle Moses is doing too much and Jethro comes in and says you're doing too much pal uh, you need to build the dream team or the serve team. So it's a gauge. Uh, so if you have 125 people, 18 people on the serve team, well, what does that do for a lot of you? It encourages you. Hey, we're doing pretty good. Because on ratio, you're on target. And so this works to encourage as much as it is to challenge. All right? Uh, I, I'm going to end with this. i got to close. Um, so I was thinking about this one thing. This one thing I do is I forget about the past and I... I lean in, I, I push forward towards the upward call of Christ Jesus in my life. I, I got to thinking about this one thing. David said, this one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. It was so much in his spirit and heart that he decided, God put it in his heart to build a temple to God, right? It's like, 
until I get to heaven, I'm going to build a place where I can be in God's presence. It was so much in him. And, and I just got to thinking about that. Jesus taught this one thing kind of principle, focusing on one thing, keep doing it very well over and over. He did it at the house of Mary and Martha, remember? And Martha was going bonkers on processes and systems and environments and getting the house ready, right? Oh, man, we can get so, I'm so guilty of this. And, and you get so ticked off, you know, because you got people sitting around doing nothing but sitting at Jesus' feet and learning Bible study, and you're like, eh, eh, eh. and I don't think it's about just sitting and doing Bible study. But there was a season that Mary chose what was best. And so she was all ticked off, yelled at Jesus, said, would you tell my sister to get up and help with the dishes and get this meal ready? Martha was doing stuff Jesus never asked him to do, asked her to do. And she got so busy doing things that God didn't, never asked her to do that she got kind of out of this burned out mode and looking around, ticked off at people. <clears throat> and Jesus said, hey, listen, you, actually Mary has chosen what is better to be in my presence. And I think it's so important as leaders. I, I could have started with that, but I wanted us to remember that because we heard it at all conference. Don't dismiss our time with God because everything flows out of that. Everything. If God is doing something great in you, it'll flow through you naturally, supernaturally, but naturally. You won't have to force it. It's just, it's natural. God will speak to you. He'll give you nuggets of wisdom. But if you grind, if you grind, if you grind and say, I don't have time, friends, you're going you're gonna to lose momentum and you're going you're gonna to get weary in the process. That's all I have. And uh, we have five minutes for a question. I, I did that intentionally because I don't know if I'd have an answer. No. <laughs> Very quickly, though. Yeah. Go ahead, Ryan. Okay. Yes. How was your... Um your music when you first yeah so uh, we moved from a very traditional church that had choir orchestra robes the whole nine yards and uh, we moved to a very contemporary kind of mode so it would look a lot like what you see here uh, now I still get complaints about how loud it is and how bright the lights are and uh, I'm allergic to the smoke that's coming and all that sort of thing so that's kind of our style I'll tell you what we do we do an hour and five minute service now and some people say that's just way too short for us, it's our sweet spot. We do three worship songs, and some people say, well, you know, how does the Spirit of God move? Hey, I've never found that I can bind up the Holy Spirit. He does his work. And, uh, and, and this is what I know. We just do what we know how to do the best we know, how we streamline everything, and we go after it. And we made changes in that area. And I think that's the one area where you will probably always have people that, some people that will disagree with you. But we just chose our station, and we stick on it. We don't try to please everybody. But that's the music. Yeah. 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 Um, we actually did a transition as pastors. Yeah. And night, and, um, I guess my question is really, how do you, how do you make those changes yeah. without totally upsetting all of us? Yeah, so the question for this recording is uh, taking over and transitioning into a church where uh, how do you make these changes without upsetting the, the whole and losing a whole bunch of people and starting all over? And I can tell you, uh, it's an art of leadership and choosing which battles you want to fight first. And I think you got to gain some credibility in your pocket over a period of time. I've been there now 18 years. Yeah. Did you have another question behind it? But I'll keep going. Um, I still make people upset um, at times. I'm much more quick to the trigger today than I was back then. I will tell you the mistake that I made. I move too slowly. 
because I'm a people pleaser. And, um, and ultimately, when I knew I should have made a decision and did not make it, those people still left the church. It was just delayed reaction. And so my big fear was I'm going to lose leaders. I'm going to lose finances. And that sounds so, that sounds so um, kind of carnal. But, man, I'm just struggling. I'm just trying to make it. Man, we were in a deficit every single month. And this is what I learned. If I would have moved quicker, God would have resourced it sooner because the culture was bad. I'll give you an example. Somebody, this is our youth department. They wanted to move uh, an eating time uh, or an eating place from one place in the, in the facility to another place, and people freaked out. I'm like, really? And they come knocking on my door about that. The culture was so bad. And you know what? They still left the church. I said, man, have the feeding. The, the leader has to be able to make some decisions. It's going to happen at some point. I just don't think that we upset the apple cart over things that really don't matter. So the new people will change the culture. Preach the new stuff to the new people. Invite everybody. But it's when you get those new people, protect them. You know, don't let new, those, that bad culture get around it. You know, it's toxic. Uh, be, be wise. I think, I, hey, listen, uh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dismiss and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay around answering any questions anybody has. Sound good? Because it is uh, 229 and I'm going to say I finished early. Lord, thank you for this awesome time. We love you, Lord. You're awesome. As we go, we pray that you would bless each leader in each church. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll stick around if you have questions.